Today's podcast is brought to you by Compromise. People, it's not a fragrance. It's not a website or a law firm that will fight for your rights. It's not an appliance, a religion, or a miracle pill that will cure an illness while potentially causing anal leakage. It's not a reality show, political party, or a new series on Netflix. It's not even a social movement. It's an idea, a simple idea. Let's see how it works. Let's say there's a group of 535 people that were elected to represent the interests of 327 million people. And let's say that those 535 representatives are divided and think there's only one of two ways to address all problems. For the sake of this example, let's say a red way and a blue way. And because most of those 535 reps are so stubborn, they are unwilling to entertain the other color's ideas and end up getting nothing done. The result? 327 million people end up with nothing but a bigger mess to address. Now let's try compromise. The blue side acknowledges the red side has different ideas, and vice versa. That would lead to a realization that there is such thing as a solution that includes both red and blue ideas. In other words, compromise leads to cooperation, which leads to solutions. Real solutions. And contrary to the apparent popular opinion in Congress, compromise is easy. It's so easy, even children can do it. Compromise. It's not hard, but it takes guts. Get some today. Ready, set. And now, the simple thrills of a standard man. How's it going? How you doing? I'm Larry Thibodeau, Larry Tib, LT. You can call me what you want. I'm just glad you're here. Hey, thanks for stopping by. Let's jump right into it. Ready? Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Williams. Yeah, let's go there. I ain't scared. Are you? Before we start, let's get a background on this so we all know what we're talking about. Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Williams were hired to do a film together. And at some point, they had to go back and do some reshoots. And for these reshoots, Mark Wahlberg was paid $1.5 million and Michelle Williams was paid $80 per diem, which equated to somewhere around $1,000. So on one side, you have Wahlberg that made $1.5 million, and on the other side, you have Williams that made around $1,000. Yeah, someone got screwed in that deal. I agree. But here's what happened. The media kind of got everybody in an uproar and everybody started screaming gender inequality, gender pay inequality. And I'm sorry, but I got to call bullshit on this one. And let me tell you up front, I am for gender pay equality. I do believe in equal pay across genders. And let me say it one more time in case you social movement organizers are busy getting your pitchforks and torches ready for me. I am for gender pay equality. Of course, there are considerations, though, like experience, popularity, good agents. Let me give you an example. In technology, which is my field for the past 25 years, we're paid based on experience. If you have more experience in a particular technology, typically you can expect to make more money than someone who doesn't have as much experience. It's just how it works. Actors, on the other hand, are paid by their popularity. So here's a novel idea. Maybe Mark Wahlberg is just a more popular actor than Michelle Williams. I mean, I'm sure some of you know Michelle Williams. I didn't know her when I first read the story. My first reaction was, who's that? 
And we got to keep this stuff in perspective, right? If Mark Wahlberg is a more popular actor, he's going to command more money. That's just the way it is. Here's another idea. Maybe Michelle Williams just has a shitty agent. Maybe she should have hired somebody who would consider that. Maybe they overlooked it in their contract. Who knows? But one thing I do know is that this is all just media hype. It's media hype. Stop it, media. You're encouraging this. And I say it's BS. And you know why I say it's BS? Because where's all the uproar about the NBA? In, in particular, the pay difference between the WNBA, the Women's Basketball League, and the NBA, the Men's Basketball League. There's a huge difference in those numbers. Where's the outcry there? Where are all the headlines? And there is a big pay difference, let me tell you that. I don't think there's a single person in the WNBA that makes over $100,000 a year. The league minimum salary in the NBA is over $500,000. The real high-paid players like LeBron James, they probably make more than $100,000 per game. I'm pretty sure they do. As a matter of fact, the high-paid players like LeBron James probably make more money than whole teams of the WNBA. And where's all the outcry for that? There isn't any. Or I should say there isn't much. But the media is not pushing that button. And I hate to say this, but... Well, no, I don't hate to say it. It's just true. The NBA is a more popular sport than the WNBA. It generates more revenue. It generates more income. Therefore, they can afford to pay their players higher salaries. Right? I mean, that's how things like that work. So why can't we use that same logic with Wahlberg and Williams? Just simplify it. Let's even take gender out of the picture for a moment. Do you really think the people, the guys making league minimum in the NBA, complain that they don't make the type of money that LeBron James or Stephon Curry make? I don't think so. I don't think they're raising their hand saying, I just earned $1,000 for this game and LeBron earned... I don't think you're hearing those types of complaints. Hear that car going by? I told you. Told you this is live, man. We're just doing this in a room in my house. It's not a studio. It's It's not a studio, man. But it's all media hype. That's all it is. And while we're on the subject of media hype, I have to discuss another thing that kind of bothers me. This whole thing about peanut allergies. And relax, parents. I'm not calling all of y'all liars or overreactors. I understand. They're your kids, and you're trying to do what's best. But there is definitely an obsession with peanut allergies in this country, and I believe it was caused by media hype. Now, I know some kids actually have a peanut allergy, as well as allergies to other foods. But I also know some of this is hype. I'm positive. I know it for a fact. And here's why I know it for a fact, as I looked it up. I looked at the stats. Let's look at the stats together, shall we? Now, this is stuff I collected off the internet, and and you know as well as I do that everything you find on the internet is true, said with a smile. So take it for what it's worth. According to How Stuff Works, 150 to 200 people in the U.S. die each year from food-related allergies, and 50 to 62% are estimated from peanuts. 
Okay, so let's look at that real quick. 150 to 200 people die each year from food allergies. 50 to 62% of that number are from peanuts. So we'll say 75 to 100 of those 150 to 200 people die from peanut-related allergies. But then you have to ask yourself, how many of those 75 to 100 people are children? And then, just think about something. How many people died from peanuts in 1975 when I was in elementary school and there wasn't a peanut epidemic going on? All things considered, everything the same. Let's say the population was lower in 1975 than it is now, which I'm almost positive is the case. Let's use the same numbers, 75 to 100 people. People, not kids, died from peanut-related allergies in 1975. My point there is I don't think the numbers changed much. So why all of a sudden the epidemic? And I know it's definitely sobering when you see names, like the ones that are posted on nonutsmomsgroup.weebly.com. I guess it's a, some type of moms group mom that talks about allergies. What they've done is they've listed people's names that have died last year from food-related allergies, and they have 15 names listed on their site. Now, there's probably more people that have died from food-related allergies than who they listed, but they have 15 names. Okay, so one site is saying 150 people to 200 people die each year, and another site has listed 15 names. One person dying from an allergy is tragic. It's definitely tragic and terrible for somebody. That person is in somebody's family. Somebody cares about that person. I understand that. I get that. But according to census.gov, on January 14th of this year, the population in the United States is 327 million and growing. So let's work up some numbers here. Let's be generous and say... 2,000 people die each year in the U.S. by peanut-related allergies, which by all accounts is a much larger number than the actual number. But I'll go ahead and give that to you. I'll say 2,000 people die from peanut allergies every year. 2,000 is 0.0006162 of 327 million. That's way under 0.1%. That's less than a hundredth of a percent. And keep in mind, 15 people were listed on one website and 75 or 150 to 200 on another. Now, let's do something interesting and compare that number to car accidents. According to government statistics found online, around 40,000 people died in car accidents in 2016. And then they said deaths from car accidents lowered in 2017. I don't think the final number's back, but they said it lowered. So let's say 35,000. And I think that's a pretty good number, considering that between 30,000 and 50,000 people have died in car accidents every year in this country since 1946. So I'd say 35,000 is a fair number. Well, 35,000 is 0.0107033% of 327 million. That is a much higher percentage than the number of people that die from peanut allergies. It's still a very low percentage. Still way less than 1%. But looking at the numbers of potentially affected people that we've used for these statistics, you are 17.5 times more likely to die in a car accident than die from a food allergy. 
With that said, how many of you concerned parents have stopped driving your kids around? I know, in this society, in this world, that's a ridiculous question, right? Or is it? It's media hype. It's media hype, and I venture to say someone with power and clout hates peanuts. Let's move on. How's your week? How are you doing? Are you your best self? I'm not, but that's what I'm striving towards. What happened here this week? Well, this past weekend was kind of sad. Started out with the passing of a friend. Um, I really don't want to talk too much about it, but I will say she was way too young to die when she did. Uh, and I'm going to miss her. It's a difficult time for family and friends, as, as you would imagine. But I choose to reflect on the good times that we had, rather than how it ended. And that seems to help me. But any time this happens, every time it happens, and I've been fortunate to, to not be exposed to death that much in my life, but there have been people that I've known that have passed away. But any time that happens, it makes me look at my own life, evaluate where I'm at. And if I'm doing everything I can do to be a better person. Am I giving more than taking? Am I striving to be a better person? Can I stop my dogs from barking in the middle of a sober moment on my podcast? Probably not. But can you relate? Do you do the same thing? It also makes me think of my purpose in life. What is my purpose? Why am I here? You know, a lot of times people think their purpose is big. Some big thing. I need to make a big splash. Leave a mark. I don't know though. Purpose doesn't necessarily have to be big. Maybe my purpose is to do exactly what I'm doing now. Being a dad. A stable figure for my family. And at the end of the day, I guess I have to wonder what's bigger than that. You know what? Let's lighten the mood. How about if we do that? <laughs> hey, it was my dad's birthday over the weekend. Turned 75 years old. Tracy and I stopped by there to say hey to my dad. We got him some lottery tickets. Was hoping he'd win a cool mill for his 75th. And uh, my mom wanted to go out to eat, so we all went out to eat. Us four. And uh, my parents love buffets. If I'm being honest, it's probably not our first pick of places to eat. But you know what? I can I can buffet with the best of them. I don't mind. But my food selections were horrible. I chose food as if I were allergic to healthy food. It almost looked like as long as it was fried, I was in. 
Man, it was bad. But get this, so at the end of the dinner, when the check came out, we were given four fortune cookies. So we each took one and we opened them up and my dad's was empty. My dad, on his 75th birthday, got a fortune cookie without a fortune in it. I think that's kind of weird. If I were more superstitious of a person, I'd say, that's weird. I mean, I've never seen that happen. Have you seen that happen? Maybe it's more common than I think. And how weird it was for the one person who we were celebrating his birthday had no fortune in his cookie. But anyways, I ate terribly, terribly. I probably will do bad for the weight loss challenge this week. But last week, holding up, lost another pound and a half, down another pound and a half. So total five and a half pounds. Tracy jumped in on the way in. Bridget and Dave both had losses. Tommy had a real slight loss, but he did have a little one. So it all seems like we're all heading in the right direction. Oh, and speaking of that, I fixed the treadmill. My treadmill was broken. So in the winter, you know, when it gets real dry and if you touch something and you get, you know, like when you get kind of staticky and uh, if you touch something, you get that shock. Well, I was on the treadmill a little while back running on the treadmill and I went to push one of the buttons and I shocked the shit out of myself. And it's because I hear because the air's dry or something like that. And so, and it popped the circuit board in the treadmill. So I had to fix it. We called it up and we said, hey man, this thing's broken. They said, yeah, that's no problem. This can easily be fixed by you. Um, I'll send you the new board and you can replace it yourself. So you don't have to pay for, for service charge. So they sent us the board and I let it sit for about four years before I decided to, to change it. I did that over the weekend. I did good. I was amazed that the thing actually works. Uh, and I only broke three screws. <laughs> yeah, I broke it a little bit. You know, God damn it, why won't this thing open up? Oh, shit. But, uh, and there were a lot of wires, a lot of plugs. I got through it, though. Happy. So now I have my treadmill. That's going to be a tool that I'm going to use for the weight loss challenge this week. What else is going on? Oh, shit. This is my last free week. School is starting again soon. School will be back to school soon. And I'm, uh, I picked up an extra class this semester. So it's going to be pretty busy. But bear down and realize that this is pretty much my final year of school. And then I will be a college graduate. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. And I'm ready to jump in. You know, if we're going to do this, let's do it. Right? That's what I say. Oh, and then some news bits that I've been collecting for you. Just interesting things I've been reading in the paper. I've either been reading online paper, that is. Who gets a regular paper anymore? I'm just kidding. So these are some stories that I just kind of, I'm just going to read the headlines or the the gist of the stories because I found them pretty interesting. One here that uh, this was local to the Virginia area where I live, Northern Virginia. There was a gun fired in a Chuck E. Cheese parking lot. Really? Come on, people. And a kid's restaurant. We used to take our kids to Chuck E. Cheese when they were little. Of course, Colin and Gavin are grown now, so we don't go to Chuck E. Cheese anymore. Listen, and I don't discriminate with pizza. I'll eat pizza from anywhere. I thought their pizza was okay. Probably a little worse than like Little Caesars, something like that. But definitely eatable. Edible. Edible's the word, right? So the last time we went, uh, number one, it's overwhelming when you get a whole group of kids just messing around in like those ball pits and everything. It's just like a little mob. All these kids running around. 
we used to panic a little bit, you know, when the kids would go running into big crowds. God, I got to keep an eye on them, make sure they don't get lost, make sure nobody takes them. I know that Chuck E. Cheese kind of does a good thing. You know, they they try really hard to make sure that you're with your kid and you have marks and you can't leave the premises with the kid unless you have the same band or something like that. I know they have all these things, but uh, it usually caused a, an abnormal amount of stress in us to do that. But here's what turned us off from Chuck E. Cheese. The last time we took the kids to a, to a party there, I can't remember if it was Tracy or me, but one of us walked into the bathroom and in the center of the floor in the bathroom, there was a turd. Yep. I can't remember if Tracy told me she saw it or if I went to the bathroom and saw it myself. But one of us saw a turd right in the middle of the floor. And people were just walking around it. It was just sitting there. I go, what the fuck, man? Someone let their kid shit on the floor right in the middle of everything? So we said, you know what? Don't need to do this. We stopped going. Anyways, how nice is that? Gun fired at a Chuck E. Cheese parking lot. There was arrest in the death of a musician in Baltimore. I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, apparently Baltimore is being overrun by a bunch of thugs. There's groups of kids that are going around and just causing havoc, causing crime, being criminals, harming the citizens of Baltimore, the Baltimoreans. Anyways, there's some people I'm friends with on Facebook that were friends with this guy, musician, early 40s. He worked at a tattoo shop and uh, he went out front to talk to his wife. They were planning to go to a movie the next day, minding his own business middle of the day, went out front to talk to his wife on a cell phone. A couple of thugs come up to him. I, we're assuming tried to rob him. They're not really sure what happened. But uh, the guy was on the phone with his wife, was shot in the chest and killed by these two thugs. Well, I'm happy to announce that uh, one of them was caught. They know another one's you know still out there, but they'll get him, I'm sure. And that's got to give some relief. And I know that there are other people in Baltimore that have died. And that uh, that Baltimore has been dealing with this for a while. They need to get their shit together because I love the Inner Harbor. And if you've never been to the Inner Harbor, it's a great place to visit. In Camden Yards where the Baltimore Orioles play, a great place to go see a game. I actually like them a little better than the Washington Nationals, but uh, I'm kind of an American League guy instead of a National League. That's a story for another day. What else? Oh, Eric Clapton is going deaf. Shocker. The only thing I got to say about that is, how did it take so long? Good gracious, man. I mean, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, they didn't even care about their hearing. They got these massive stacks. They didn't have real great PA, so they just turned these amps up all the way. Take four or eight of those, string them all together, and then let me stand in front of them and play. Well, Eric Clapton's probably been doing stuff like that for, I don't know, 50 years. I'm surprised it took him this long to be deaf. Oh, and here's the story. Here's the story that gets me. So apparently, they're doing a movie from Ta- Tanya Harding. For those youngins, way back in the early 90s, before the Winter Olympics, I think it was 92. I'm, I'm not positive. 92? Yeah, I think it was 92. Anyways, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan were two of the U.S. skaters that were going to be on the, the... This was for the Winter Olympics on the U.S. figure skating team. And Tanya Harding wanted to beat Nancy Kerrigan so bad that she... Hired a couple of guys while Nancy Kerrigan was warming up to come out with some metal pipe and bash her in the knee, try to bust her knee open, right, to injure her so she couldn't go to the Olympics. So they they arrested Tanya and she I think she spent some time in jail and they the whole story was brought forward and 
I guess now they're making a movie about Tanya Harding. It's called I, Tanya. So they asked CNN. I saw an article at CNN. I didn't read it, but the, the headline was something like, this is what Nancy Kerrigan thinks of I, Tanya. And I'm like, let me guess what she thinks ever. Uh, you fucking bashed my knee in with a metal pipe, you bitch. That's what I would guess. Something in that lines. But do you ever get over that? Oh, man, let's be friends now. You remember that one time when you bashed my knee with a metal pipe or you hired those two guys to bash my knee with him? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think anybody could get over that one. Anyways, I think I'm going to leave the conversation here. Oh, don't forget to check out Twitter at STSM, Simple Thrills of a Standard Man, at STSM Podcast. Go there and follow us. Help us gain sponsors. Please. I'll catch up with you soon. Take it easy. Stand up. Shout out. It's all part of a rock and roll tradition. Stand up. The Simple Thrills of a Standard Man is a Bumpire Media production. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Bumpire Media. That's at Bumpire Media. Shout out. It's all part of a rock and roll tradition. Stand up.